So Becca, InfoDump has become a place for me, a place to talk about my random thoughts that come up. <laughs> and, and one of those, or, or my random complaints. And one of, the things, one of those things that have been bothering me recently is, and I've heard this for so many years now, but I think more, more so in the last few years, it's really bothered me is because I've met, I've developed so many friendships with people online like you that I've never met in person. So it really frustrates me when I'll hear a lot of times family members of autistics talk about how online friendships are not real friendships. I love, wait, I have a list of these. That's one of them. Okay, because what does that mean? I've had quote-unquote real friendships, and there was nothing real about the friendship involved. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I've had that. But I have to say the most real friendships that I've ever had are my friends online. I think there's a real vulnerability when we're online. The fact that you're not sitting there and needing to think about what your body language looks like and what your facial expression looks like and all of this stuff allows you to really talk about the stuff that matters or go to the people that you need about the stuff that matters. And I think that's, it kind of cuts to the chase. And for an autistic person, I love it. I'm like, yes, I don't even, don't worry about where we're eating dinner so we can talk. Let's just talk right now. Here's the thing I need to talk to you about. And, you know, I just think about that. And then I think about like the friendships I've had in real life. And they're not as real to me. It's not as genuine and true to me as the friendships I have online. So I'm going to say I veto that concept. And I say, no, most of my friends are online. In fact, I have very few real-life friends. And that's quite enough socials for me. So I don't know. What's your take on online friends? I guess the thing that I've been thinking about more than anything is, well, one, I agree with you, like some of the closest friendships that I have are online. But the thing that I've been really thinking about, uh, and I don't know if it's also COVID related, is I don't know if I want to like hang out with people in person too much. I And if my in-person friends are, are watching this, they, they might be offended and I apologize, but... No, keep inviting Doug. He'll just casually say no. But keep inviting him. He wants to know that you want him there. I, I, I enjoy the invites. Yes, correct. I do too. Like, I'm glad you thought of me, but no, there's no chance in hell my body is doing that. But good deal. Thanks. That's yeah. how I really feel about it. So I agree with you too. I don't know that I get that much more out of my friendships because they're in person. Sometimes I feel like I get less. But someone who I can tell you, because here's our segue into our guest for today, who is Barb Cook from Australia, who is one of my very close friends, who I've seen in person now. I'm honored to say we have met in person, right? And that's pretty amazing by itself because she lives in Australia and I live in the States. So that's pretty cool. I've actually seen her more than some other people that I don't, that I know and share space with. And actually, because of online friendships, that Spectrum Women came to be and grow, and we wrote the book. All of the Spectrum women are friends online. So, yeah, please welcome Barb Cook to us. Hello. It's a cloudy day here in Australia. We've had bucket loads of rain, which has been the like, yeah, I'm not one for the dreary weather, being one of those Aussie type persons. Sunshine, sunshine, and more sunshine. And then you get fed up with the sunshine and you wish it should rain for a day. And then it rains for a day, and then you go, no, nope, I want the sunshine back. Uh, and that's just sort of like how it is. But it is. It's so good that in the terms of with friendships and online stuff, that's where pretty much the same as Becca and most autistic people is where we start our connection. I know for me, when I was in the early days of looking at 
diagnosis and getting a diagnosis, that's where all my connections came from, through the online conversations, the groups, finding people that actually are like you and don't have to put up with listening to all the wonderful Larry chit-chat, gossip, BS, whatever other yeah. typical people usually do. It was really easy and it was really validating to be able to do that and just hang out with people when you felt like it. It could have been like, as you said, over dinner. It could be 2am when you don't, can't sleep or you've come up with an idea. Mm-hmm. I tend to do a lot and quite often because I have a good dose of ADHD with me as well, so my brain doesn't want to shut up in one part. Going, hey, we've got all these ideas. And then my autistic side's going, settle down, let's get some organisation here. We've got to keep you in, in, the, in the sort of like control here. But I also have dyslexia too, so I thought I'd throw that in. If I look at my brain, one side's autism, displeasure. The other side, ADHD, party go raised party person. I'm going to stay up all night and not listen to you. Dyslexic dude at the back. I have no idea what anyone's doing. So that's how my brain works. It's a bit of a chaos and all that sort of stuff. And I will go off topic as well. I tend to go randomly off. So this is a really good place to have info dump because I've got lots of random stuff I can talk about too. But back to online conversations and friendships. I pulled myself back. Um, (laughs) I've got used to this. Other people used to do it for me and I'm like, hey, hang on, they should be telling me to come back, but I'll do it myself. And... But the online friendships are really, really important and very, very valid to all of us because, as I say, you know, it's okay and it's a lot safer and it's a lot easier than trying to do people in real life. And I'm the same. I have very few people I see in real life. And the ones that I do are around my interests, which is motorcycles. I love my motorcycles. I don't go out of my way looking to make friendships and people. Not anymore anyway. Not when you get more mature and realise who you are. Awesome. I mean, I feel a little bit lucky that I just have to deal with the autism brain. I have my own issues with numbers and things, but I will take that. I don't know how you reconcile those two different parts of your brain. It must be exhausting all the time. It is. It's very, very exhausting because I want that structure and organization, which helps to keep me in process of what I'm supposed to be doing. But then I also like that fact of I can come up with ideas. And when I come up with an idea, they sort of like become in synergy. So I want to see patterns and things and how to bring all sorts of information together because researching and gathering information is something to the nth degree that a lot of us do really, really well. But then turn it into, okay, what am I going to go with this somewhere else? What can I do in the terms of helping or supporting people? Because a lot of you know the work around advocacy and supporting people and me as a developmental educator as well is helping my autistic community and neurodivergent community from what I've learned too. It can be quite challenging and very overwhelming, but it can also be very rewarding too because you can bring these couple of different things together. The other thing with that is I'm still even learning about myself now because mm. it's been good. What is it? Oh, where are we now? What year is it? Ah, oh, code. Okay, it was 2019 last week and next week is 2022. So there's that bit that we've all been just out because of COVID. I've even learning different stuff about in the terms of what parts of my brain Oh, 13 years ago is what nearly when I got diagnosed. But different parts are different things. So, like, I didn't realise, I have a very good memory. I will remember where everything is. I'll never lose anything. And I'll also remember what, say, my partner, if he's lost something, I know where it is without even seeing it. It's really weird because it's just like I know the patterns and know where everything is from what I've learned from my psychiatrist that I have. So I've been sitting, he's known me all the time for 12 years of this whole journey. journey. He said, that's your autism part. 
by remembering everything and knowing where everything is. I went, oh, okay. I didn't even realise that because quite often when you look at the ADHD part and see this is where I break it all down because the type of person I am, I need the detail, is like, oh, okay, so my ADHD part is not working. It doesn't affect that part because normally you lose things or the executive functioning right. issues that would be. So this is really going into that fine detail of learning about who I am and just what makes us all so unique too because we all have different things that we're great at and other things that we might go, okay, this is not my strongest point what I'm doing, but I've got stronger points elsewhere that we can use. How about you, Becca? How do you go with your thinking processes? And you know, I am do have that organization brain from the autism and I really am somebody who like gets off on organization. Like I love it to walk into a space that's disorganized or anything could be anything, a piece of writing that's disorganized, anything that's sort of just a mess. And I get real, I find true satisfaction in organizing it. And so I know I have that part of my brain, but there's another part of my brain that's very creative and fights that part. <laughs> it's like, you know, like it's just very, well, why? Why do you have to follow the rules all the time? So I deal with that. But I definitely have used my autism brain to help me supplant with the issues with dyscalculia. So I struggle a lot with dyscalculia numbers and things like that. And so what I ended up figuring out that I do when I picked all my stuff apart is that I sort of take a photographic picture of the like symbol of the number. And that's how I do math is not with counting with parts that's hard for me, but I use these pictures. They're more like letters to me, and in that way it functions and works for me. But nobody taught me how to do that, and I never would have known that about my brain unless I really pulled this piece apart. And it is exhausting when you run up against your challenges if you haven't figured out how to support yourself. Right? Yeah. yeah, very much. And also that even comes around my... Uh, another area that I do a lot of stuff is around that self-determination and self-advocacy. That's a really key point. If you don't know what it is that you need support with, how do you ask for right. the support? So how do you know what you need to support you in particular areas? So that's where that learning about yourself is really, really important. The more you know yourself, the more you can go, hey, I need this, or hey, I don't like that. Right. You know, and the older we get, the pickier we get to be with it, you know, if in the in sense of like, if you've aged in and you've got seniority, you know, you used to be like, not only do I, am I not good at that, but I don't like doing that. And therefore somebody else can do that. And I will do my strengths and I will do the things that are easy. You know, I've done the hard stuff already. I worked my way through that. And we do get to say, you know, here, <laughs> take some. I can't do this, right? I know, Doug, yeah. you have people that help you out to get through your work day and stuff, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, Having an assistant has been a game changer for me, for sure. You know, just getting those things out of my head, I think, is a big piece of it as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to have people to help you out as well. Because we, we often have this misconception before we learn about ourselves, before we knew about, you know, hey, I'm neurodivergent. Prior to that, we used to think, hey, we can do everything ourselves. We can do this. We will push ourselves to the absolute breaking mm -hmm. point. Hence why we end up with burnout and have breakdowns and have all the other things that come in, unpleasant things that come from that, is in the context of going, hey, we can do everything because we've been conditioned that way, because we're conditioned that we've got to do what the rest of society does because, you know, we look at it going, well, we must be like that. We must have to do it because this is what they're telling us to do. Well, no, that's total. They can just go and get stopped because... We need to do things 
for many years as well, it really stuffs us up how we're thinking in the terms of when we do reach out for help or support or ask for someone to be in a, you know, help us work on a particular part in business, say, for example. So, like, I have got a personal assistant for the last couple of years, which has been really good to help me with organising my diary and all the stuff that I hate. But that first step of going asking, it's really hard. It's really difficult because we've been conditioned that way that, oh, there's something wrong with you or, you know, you're not good enough. It's like the things that we ask for help with, right? The things that we ask for help with are like, are weird to other people. So we get used to just pushing through because we don't need help with the things they think we need help with, right? And so it's this, this game. And then it finally get old enough and you run out of patience for the bullshit and you start just to say, no more. Somebody help me. One day I will understand how the two of you can trust another human being enough to be your assistant. <laughs> I will one day get there. I am not yet ready to let go of control, but one day I will get there because I could use the help. But I'm very scared to let go of all of the babies that I work on, so we'll see. But Doug, before we like just chat away about everything, I want to give Barb a chance to talk about some other stuff, especially the things that she loves, not just autism. Definitely. Uh, and you, were, you mentioned one of them earlier, Barb, something that I haven't done and something that I'm scared of. So I love talking to people about things that I'm scared of. And that's riding uh, motorcycles. So tell me, what, what's so great about riding motorcycles? <laughs> I've been riding motorcycles since I was been, so hang on, that's a lot of numbers to add up, put it this way, it's a very long time, a few decades in there, of riding motorcycles, and how it came about was there was a couple of teenage girls, a couple of houses down from where I was living at that time, I was living in the UK at that time, and they had dirt bikes, trail bikes, off-road, and I looked at them and they put their gear on and I thought, they look so awesome, I want to do that. They look like they have control of what they're doing. They don't get bossed around. They don't get bullied. They don't get picked on. They are, like, confident. And I thought, that's what I want to do. I want to do that because that'll give me more confidence and I'll keep them safe. And so it was more of a case of how that started out. It wasn't about the actual fact of riding the bike. It was about the image that came with it. And it was that protective back off everyone. You can't pick on me. I'm a tough biker sort of image. So that's where it came from. And... There's a lot of it. It was really interesting because I wanted a motorcycle and my dad said no. And he said, well, you're going to have to ride a moped scooter. And I'm like, no, that's not the image I want. And I ended up with that to go to front school and it was white with pink stripes. That's not the image I wanted. So, <laughs> riding that, because they were automatic, so they weren't geared. So that wasn't, it was actually a good way to get started to get used to, to doing something faster than the push bike. Once I got that stuff, I, because I had it from brand new, I, I rode it as fast as I could, which wasn't very fast, and I pretty much in eight months burnt the whole bike out, because you're not supposed to ride them like that, you run them in the middle of and look after them. I didn't look after them because I hated it, I didn't want it, I didn't want it, so, and then I convinced my dad going, look, I need to get rid of the bike, I'll trade it in, and I'll get, I'll get myself a motorbike, yes, I finally got a motorbike. Mm. Two days after that, I ended up in the wet weather, not used to having
and I thought, oh, this is not going well. But fortunately, there was lovely people at the front of the car. I wasn't worried about me breaking the back light of their car, pick me up off the road and off I rode. <laughs> got packed up and I went, I'm not giving up. And so this, I've got this determination. If I want to do something, I will do it until I just break myself. And so I kept going and I got to know a motorcycle group and I got involved with out there. And they became family because they were all very different from typical people. I would swear pretty much 95% of them neurodivergent because they weren't typical people and we became like a family but they were a family to me. They supported and looked out for me and we also looked out for each other so that I had that sort of protection in my teen years from being in that motorcycle group. That gave me more impact and more meaning to me riding the bike as well. And as I've learned how to ride more and got to learn to love it and not fall off that much, I then loved the freedom of being by myself. That was the case of when my head was full, being on a bike allowed me to get rid of that because I had to concentrate so I didn't fall off. But there was also things of going out into country roads, getting away from people. I could be with my own thoughts and have that movement as well. And the other thing too is when my feet were off the ground and riding, I wasn't clumsy anymore. I didn't walk into every goddamn piece of furniture or wall or trip over a damn blade of grass, which is pretty much as soon as you put your feet back on the ground, get off the bike, roll down a hill. So I'm really, really bad at that, you know, in knowing where I am in space. But on the bike, I felt at one with it. And I felt like I wasn't this clumsy person anymore. I felt agile. I felt, you know, it was a whole big experience. There was a huge lots of connection behind this. And the bike I've got now is also, they have this bonus for me too. They actually, I look at them more than just a machine. So they're part of my life. So they like, I don't know what you would call them, but they actually have life to them. So my bike's called Ron. I named him after Anchorman, Ron Burgundy. His <laughs> <laughs> full name's Ron Strom Burgundy because he's a beast from. And he is, he's classy. Um, he looks after me. <laughs> and so it's evolved. And so... Even in my bike group that I have now, because I was one of the four founders of the particular type of bike I have, it's an adventure bike. Everybody in that group knows me and knows my bike, Ron. They don't go, oh, you and your motorcycle. They ask me how Ron is. So everybody in this group also does it too. So it's a huge thing, and that's why I love my motorcycle so much. It is like my family. You were talking about it sometimes just getting on the bike and getting away from things. So I was wondering... Does riding a motorcycle help you in times when you're kind of overwhelmed, like in terms of even just sensory-wise? How does that motorcycles help you? Ah, having a helmet on, because I have a really good helmet, so you can block out a lot of noise with that. Mm. If you don't want to talk to people, <laughs> put the <laughs> helmet on. Can't hear you. <laughs> Once you put your bike gear on as well and your jacket and stuff like that, people then tend to know, okay, we start to back off. So it's, it's a really good in that context, of, especially with people getting away from out, oh, go for a ride, see you later. When you have the helmet on, you only have like that particular certain, you know, noise of when you're riding. But that's a continuous sort of similar noise all the time, and I'm okay with that sort of stuff. A lot of people have bands to sleep with that white noise sort of context. But it does. It reduces a lot of issues in the terms of sensory. If it starts raining hail, then that's a whole different thing. You also need to think about conditions of what you're riding into. I also say too is don't go out and ride when you're angry either because you're not thinking about what you're doing. You're getting caught up in really intense emotions then and that's where things like accidents can happen or you're not focusing on what you're doing. When I'm anxious and stuff like that, that's not so bad because that reduces my anxiety. 
because it, I'm then not focusing on that. But when I'm angry, I don't focus on my writing I've down. So I've often looked at that. It's not safe for me to do that. And same with driving a car, because also drive a car too. Don't do it when I'm angry because I do it faster as well. Mm-hmm. That intensity comes in with that and that's dangerous, not just for me, but anybody else on the road. If you're in that particular mindset or really, really stressed, don't go and do things like this. Look at what alternatives there are. And for me, that could be a thing of, I'm going to walk and get the energy out of my body and just go walk up, up a hill or go jump on a treadmill, which I haven't done for a long time, which I really should do. But do something else to spend that type of energy rather than something that is involving skills and could be dangerous to you. And other than mo- motorcycles, what are some things you're passionate about or some focused interest of yours? That's a good question. What is there outside of autism and neurodivergence? That's a really good question because that seems to like be so much of my life, of what it is. I only seem to have things like, yeah, there's the motorcycle. I don't have any pets at the moment. I would love to take on and adopt every pet Becca has because that would be fantastic. <laughs> and when I was staying at Becca's as well, that was just like the best thing. Surrounded by fairy creatures. I adore animals. And one of my past things I've done, we've, well, me and my partner, we've both done volunteer work at the zoo and we house sit and look after other people's animals and this sort of thing. So that's always been a great connection. We used to love doing that a lot. But in, in a perspective, because my passion is so much about supporting and everybody else and putting what I know out there into the community as best I can, to me that is really quite rewarding and fulfilling. Yes, it's very overwhelming and very draining, but I kind of get a lot of energy back in the context of going, we're helping people to understand more about themselves. We're helping to make a bit of a shift in the community of that sense of going, you know, I don't feel valued. Yes, you are valued, very much valued. We just have to shift that perception of everybody else out there in what they're looking at and in the wider community. And I think that's our biggest issue we've always had is like, how do we get people that don't understand or, or get where we're coming from to change that mindset? And that's really hard. Becca, how do you feel about this? Because I still feel like we've got such a long way to go on it and it's hard work. Today, I feel like this about it. You know, that's how I feel. I feel like every day it's a roller coaster, right? Because there are days where I could literally bang my head on a wall or any surface because I feel like I've been marching up a hill that will not stop with its upward ride and I just feel like I'm getting nowhere and I get frustrated and disillusioned and I just want to throw my computer away and give everyone the middle finger and there are days like that right and then there are other days where the winds are so precious and so priceless that they kind of make up for all those other days being able to create a communication system between an and an autistic person or being able to just give someone the courage to go out and try something they're afraid to do. Those wins to me, when I know that I've affected change on a very personal level for someone, really, it pays me back for all the times that I'm like, did you not read the whole article? Did you only get halfway through? You know, and all of those kinds of feelings. Because those happen. And I did, I've had a couple of really good, like, personal client wins. And those are the kind of things that push me through. You know, where I'm like, okay, I'll sit in that board meeting one more time now. You know, like, that kind of feeling. Because otherwise, if you don't have that coming back in, it could it gets very isolating. Even though we all talk a lot, that very, it's a very personal, isolating journey. I'm sorry my dogs are barking right now. Antonio just got home. And so now they're all like, yeah, he's the fun guy. So, but 
Yeah, I mean, like, for me, it, it, that's what it is. It's like, okay, I remember how I felt when I was going through the beginnings of it, and I want someone else who's going through it next to have better. How can I, like, that's just the purpose of it every day. The next person should have better. The next person should have better. And I try to stay simple because it would be real easy to just isolate in my own little world about it and feel really defeated if I didn't look up and look at your feed sometimes and say, oh, but Barb's making headway. Okay, that's still not so bad, and things like that. So, you know, we have to kind of balance that for ourselves and, and find the places in the work that we do where the rewards are hiding, is how I feel. Mm. Yeah, and it's interesting you're saying that too. Like we said earlier about with how the friendships online and that are really important. I've actually found too, in the context of work and what we do online, you know, the advocacy work, the mentoring work, the coaching, um, whatever that looks like, now, because we're switching over into real life, for me here, in the terms of opening up the hub, as you know, the neurodiversity hub that we're doing, so that we'll actually have real life people instead of looking through the computer screen, it's really interesting. And for me, I thought it'd be quite a context of, oh, I don't want to see people in real life, but I'm actually really looking forward to doing more of it. The connections of working with people, going, there's no influence to me about what's happening out there in our advocacy or any social media, I'm dealing directly with an individual about what's happening in their life now without any of the other influence. And it's a really different context. And I'm finding that it's really useful in creating deeper connections with people. They're not my friends, they're my clients, but it still gives me that whole different level again of going, I'm helping somebody that within, you know, an hour or two, or there might be 15 minutes down the road from me here, but I'm making an impact that is local to me in that term. So, so it's not just wider global stuff that we do all around the world, as we do. But yeah, it's just even within that local community, it's a whole different thing. And quite often they go, they don't know all the stuff like we are on social media. We go, hey, right, you know exactly, all people. which is fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, 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 it's a it's a person-to-person connection. It's really like, I get you. I hear you. Let me help you through this piece. And then, because when we write, and we write for the global community, or sit in the board meetings, or go to the conferences, or all the other BS that we have to do, right, there's not that engagement. There's not that, here I did a thing with you, and now I see the change that's made. You just write, I mean, I do. I just write pieces out into a void and hope they stick. Like, that's kind of what my plan is. That's my big global plan. It's very lonely, and I find that I, the loneliness is helped by doing these one-on-ones and doing the really personal work. Yeah, very much so. Also, when you see them, it's interesting because I know we can see, visually see people through the screens and that, but when you see them as a whole person, so like they walk in and you talk to them and share and that sort of stuff, you get a whole picture. You get a whole different perspective. That You know, you have that energy of whatever it is, that person in that room, which you may not get mm-hmm. when you talk to this, right. like we do here. And, and you also get to feel like, oh, hey, we're going to meet parents, we're going to meet teens, and it's, I've got a bigger scope of people that I connect with as well now. And so you're watching all those different stages and you see like, oh, I'm working you know, with their child, but you're also working with a parent. And I've been doing that recently too. There's been a couple of coffee conversations where we have teens that are going from school and transitioning out into the workplace and parents coming along with them and seeing the difference between how each of them looks. And the parents are also autistic and so are the kids. Mm. But they still have they have very different in their views. 
as well when you bring them together. And it was amazing because people like my age parents, they have that conditioned of going, this is what neurotypicals are wanting us. This is what our kids should be doing. Oh, they should be going to work at McDonald's or they should be going to do this type of job or they should do this career. And their teens are going, no, I want to do all this other stuff. And so they're with AMA and they're all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, do that. This I find fascinating. Doug, you have to be seeing it too, right? The generation of kids that got diagnosed young enough to have their identity on board from a young age is finally like stepping into the world and having a voice. It is amazing. It is crazy to see. I have a similar experience. A lot of my clients are the moms that got diagnosed when their kids got right, diagnosed. Right, right. Right? Those are my clients. And, I, you know, they'll be like, well, I kind of want to talk to my kid about this and this thing. And it's like, well, do it. They already know that they're like you. Like, it's so easy <laughs> for you right now. Like, just go and talk to them about spoon theory. They'll totally understand what you mean. You know what I mean? And it blows these parents' minds that they can talk to their kids in a way that no one ever talked to them. Yeah. And it's so rewarding. That's really, really good stuff doing this. And there's things like a parent will say, you know, my child's got great network with friends, they're all different, they have all their thing. I'm worried about when they go out to the, the world and do go into work that the world's not going to accept them where their friends do school. Well, why are you going to encourage them to go out into the world and get a job that doesn't support them like their friends? Why not go out and look at a job in creative arts? Why does it have to be a boring old job? By the way, all of those jobs are going away, parents. So heads up, they will not be the jobs. And the other people in your children's workspace will be the children that they are with right now. They will then, you know, everybody grows up together. And so when we want to change the way we see things and it's happening with our kids, we know we've made the difference. So when we talked about how do you know that things are moving, how do you not get discouraged? Well, I look at those yeah. kids. I look at those yeah. kids and I go, man, if I felt like that way about myself when I was that age, watch out, world. Like, it would have been a different game plan. Mm. Yeah, but you can see in the whole context of global things. Grace Sunday is a really good example. Look at how much he's changing that younger generation about climate change and sustainability. I mean, that's something I am personally very passionate about. It's for me is sustainability, environment, anything about that supports community sense like that. Because to me, I have very deep empathy for about what we're doing to the planet and how we're sort of like, there's more that we can do. You know, and the younger generation are getting it. They're, they're like doing it. They're, they're, yeah. they're making it. Like, we talked a good game, and they're <laughs> yeah. doing it. It's really cool yeah. to see. It gives me so much hope because I thought, and I know out here in Australia, and I'm probably, it's probably the same US, I know it's the UK, pretty much everywhere, but politics and stuff like that, those older people need to move off and let's get some people like under 30 running the countries and I reckon that'll be a big difference. Yeah, we have to change our thinking and then it belongs to yeah. us to do it. So it's, um, go ahead, Doug, I'm sorry. Yeah, Barb, you were mentioning um, the neurodiversity hub that you're Barb. opening up. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
they struggle with diversity. We even have difficulty getting enough doctors in our area mm. here as well. And so there was very limited in the terms of learning about autism and you know allied health, psychology, any type of therapy is all here whatsoever. So we looked at this on. I looked at this on the website. It was really cheap, and I thought, oh. And it was a really big space, but it was it was also a bit of a, a mess how it was because it was like we had to fix it up, and that's taken a very long time for us to do it. So it's been a very interesting process. Don't recommend it. <laughs> in the sense, if you're going to do it, do it with a place that's actually really set up. But on the flip side, I tend to look at going. All right, this very challenging experience of getting it set up. I've learned now how to get over my fear of being up high on a ladder. Um, I've learned how to do painting. I've learned how to do all sorts of different things. And my partner Paul has learned even so much. He's now built walls. He can plaster. He can do everything. And he also knows how to pull off a ladder when the leg gives away. That's that's. But he, <laughs> he was right. That was right towards the end. And but he's going to be carpet laying. So we just we're going to be opening it couple properly. And he's going to finish off laying carpet. We have a training room. We have three consult rooms where we will do things like. Psychology, me as a developmental educator, OT, allied health, that sort of services are in there. We have a big training room space, which is about five square metres. So with our COVID rules out here, we currently can have about 12 people in this space. So we're holding groups and workshops and how we've painted the walls because we wanted it in a dark blue and painting dark blue, that's a whole different thing. I'd like to go later. I'm trying to do it because it doesn't do it as light colours work. It's really hard work. But we did that so we could have that like as a green screen, a, a backdrop where mm-hmm. we can film from and do some proper recording. And so we're going to create online courses. We're also going to be having in next year is we're going to be doing VR and AR. We're going to be doing augmented reality stuff as well. So we're going to be using gaming in those sort of spaces to in a therapeutic sense as mm-hmm. well. And so there'll be things like, okay, let's look at how certain situations are and eventually develop things that can be useful, say, in employment where we can connect up with people in the space going, hey, let's role play a particular job interview. Let's get used to this. This is a place where we can test things out in a safe space. This is a huge project. There's a lot of development coming in that part next year in that project. Also alongside on the other side of our training space, we have two spaces which will be also correspondent stuff specifically around that. So we're helping autistic people in that go from school. And we're going to go into a job, get the experience about resume writing, the interview, what type of job. Also, if you're already employed, what can we do to help you there as well? We're yeah. going to have a look at within our community about, because we have lots of coffee shops here and, and cafes and things in our main streets. We're, we're quite an old street that we have, so we've got a lot of old sort of businesses there but we're also very much a community business so our aim is to get businesses to take on people provide them with work experiences mm. it's going to become part of a program that we'll do as well so yeah there's lots and lots of different things that we're doing but they complement each other so for us our concept of what we brought to bring together wasn't in the sense of therapy come in you know it's not a case of come in oh we're here to see you that's not what we're about we want you to come in and feel like this is safe. We're here to support you, whatever that looks like. Whatever you want to do. What can we do to help you? It's not us changing who you are. We're going to do as best as we can to support you to get what you want and make sure your life is happy without the rest of the world going, no, you shouldn't be doing that. We'll help you. We stand alongside the person and go, no, get stuff. We're going to do it this way. So, so it's a very empowering place what we're doing. And we're bringing in people as well that, well, 
prematurely now autism. Majority is going to be autistic heterodiverse people working there as well. I think we've got about there's a team of seven of us. I think we're another one on board there. But yeah, we all know the stuff really, really well, and we all get along really great because we all understand each other. So this is a really good model too in the terms of business sense. Mm-hmm. If your co-workers all oh, just like you, it makes it a lot easier to work together. And how you do? There's that's not that expectation of going, oh, you must do your job at this time. These are hours work it like. There's also flexibility in what we do. So I'm quite happy for them to go work whatever day, whatever hours you want. If you want to go home and do your report writing, if you to do something like that, do it. You don't have to sit here and do it in your own space. It's about working together. There's not a case of I'm your boss, tell you what to do. I'm here to look at what can we all do as equal. Mm-hmm. Can you tell why Barb and I are friends now? Very easy. <laughs> I mean, really, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm just so... There's a piece of me that is incredibly jealous and also sad that you are far away and that <laughs> I can't come help and all kinds of other things. But I find it really inspiring because this is the next phase for us. This is the next phase for advocacy is that we create our own supports, create our own services in the way that we need them made. So I'm really proud of you, Barb. So thank you for sharing with us because I can't wait for it to be open. I've lost all the falling, all of the hurting, all of the paint choices. The whole thing, and I can't wait to see it That's open for you guys because I'm so proud. Yeah, it has. It is really, and it's like yesterday, only funny yesterday. Like I'm sitting there going, some pressure has gone off, and I'm starting to like, get goosebumps. And even now, it's like it's happening because when you're going through that process of going, oh, this is not happening, you can't quite see it, and you think to yourself, what have I done? What if I take it <laughs> off? What's it be? I'm like, oh no, can I turn back now? Yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. This is too hard. But me, because I'm an optimist, and I have been, because I have been through a lot of tough things in my younger years, and I've learned keep going for me. I know I can do something here. I know I can get through this. And I'm fortunate the context of going, I've had lots of tough things. I can do this. And it's going to be so good when you get to the end of it. And now it's like, this is happening. And it's just so rewarding and it's so fulfilling. And it's like, Becca, I wish I could move the whole of the U.S. kit and just combine it up with Australia because I love the U.S. Right. Just get rid yeah, of everything in between. <laughs> yeah, and can we just connect it up? Can we just have a little walk bridge and we can just catch up? Because I do, I love it. I've been over a couple of times in the COVID here because I was hoping to come back again, but I will be coming back again. Don't worry about that. But, yeah, we have so much in common in our passions and things that we do and how we look at stuff. It's like, yeah, we can make so much change not just here in Australia or just the US. We can change around the world just because of how we look at things and different. I agree so much. I think we are ready for the fun 11 questions. Are we ready, Doug? Yeah, absolutely. And each episode with uh, Inside the Autistic Studio, so just 11 questions, some quick answers from you, Barb. What are your pronouns? She, And what's your preferred stem? Breaking the end of (laughs) 10. I tell everybody, don't give me your good pen. That's what I do. I, it's the bits on the end, and I break them off. <laughs> I can relate to the breaking of pens. I, I definitely do that way too often. What's your favorite curse word? <laughs> Those Christmas cards. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> you know, we, we do curse freely here, so you're welcome to share it or not. <laughs> okay, because in Australia... Our curse words have a little bit different meaning. So cunt is a, is, a, is it can be a really bad word, but for us, we call each other a 
Who do you love, and what are you doing about it? I love my bike. I love Ron. Everybody. I love Ron. They also love Ron. And what am I doing about it? I don't need to do anything about it, because it's great how it is. The next two are kind of fill in the blank. You may be neurotypical if... You're boring. (laughs) (laughs) You and uh, you may be autistic if I just wanted to say you may be autistic because you're brilliant. That's all I can think of. Don't stop ahead because yeah, it's brilliant. We are. Whatever that looks like. What's something you want to learn to do or be better at? Maybe there's some good motorcycle games out there. <laughs> no, that, that wouldn't work. No, <laughs> no. I, would want the re- I need the real thing. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what autistic social media account should people be paying attention to? Rachel Women, of course. <laughs> and Becca. And, yeah. oh, and everybody all else. All the stuff. All of us, yeah. yeah. What's uh, one thing in your routine you couldn't possibly live without? Coffee. I didn't have to think about that one. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Dog, cat, or must I choose? I'm a cat person. <laughs> Our list is very long, the cat The cat That's people is extremely long, yes, for sure. And the last question, what does autistic joy mean to you? Being with people who get me and value me. Is that the last one? That's it. That's it. That's the last. I always forget that that's the last one. I don't know why. I always think cat dog is, and then I know there's more. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us, Barb. I know that it's early morning for you, and as you guys can see, it must be probably almost in the dark right now. I was going to say, it's the, the, the sun is setting here. It's all gone. And so, from across the world, I say thank you so much for joining us. It was so much fun to have you and to see your face and all of those things. And good luck with the hub. We will update everyone as it opens. And if you follow my social media, you'll definitely see the shares. Thank you so much. I think that's it for us, Doug. Thanks, Barb. Thanks for having me. It's been so much fun. I could have talked today, but thanks for having me. It's been really good.